When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast. I'm Ben Gessling, Vikings reporter for ESPN. Joined, as always, by Judd Zolgad of 1500 ESPN and 1500ESPN.com. We are breaking down the latest on the Vikings, which right now, Judd, centers almost solely on the quarterback situation. We will not bury the lead on this show. We will get right to it. Yep. The quarterback situation is a bit of a mess at the moment. Teddy Bridgewater, of course, did not play Thursday night. Mike Zimmer did not want to elaborate, given a couple of opportunities to do so, on why Bridgewater didn't play. Only would say it was a coach's decision well, I come to find out Friday afternoon, a couple of people told me Bridgewater has a sore shoulder, not a huge deal, probably would have played if it's a regular season game, but they wanted to be cautious with it. Okay. Then Saturday, Sunday, he doesn't throw a pass in two practices. Right. So you start to wonder, okay, are they being are they being cautious? Are they being really cautious or is there something more to it? Mike Zimmer still has not discussed Teddy Bridgewater's status other than to say he's not concerned about it. And when asked about the ESPN report from yours truly, who is agitating apparently, uh, that there was a sore shoulder. Zimmer said, I'm not going to talk about injuries. Oh, so there is an injury. Yeah. So that's where we're at. We don't know quite when Bridgewater will be back. The Vikings cut practice short yesterday because they had two quarterbacks. Joel Stave took most of the first team reps. Brad Sorensen, the new guy, last snap of practice went over his head. Mike Zimmer said, I've seen enough. Yep. We're moving our off day up to Monday. We'll come back Tuesday and see where we're at. What do we think about the quarterback situation right now? Well, is this a bad thing or is this a blessing in disguise? Because one of the first things, Ben Gessling, that we talked about upon our arrival in Mankato was something that I certainly hadn't thought of all about a lot until I saw the team on the field, which is really simple. If Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt, 
these guys are sunk. Yes, because, very much so. And, and this is not, this is, I don't want this to come off as an indictment of Sean Hill. Sean Hill's had a very nice career. Yes. Ordinarily a backup, but I mean, this is a guy who came to, uh, to the Vikings out of Maryland. I believe it was around 2002. Mm-hmm. Mike Tice, a Maryland guy himself, brought him here. Uh, Sean has, uh, has crafted a nice niche for himself. He's 36 now. Uh, but the reality is this. The situation might be worse than I thought originally because my original statement was, my gosh, if they have to play Sean Hill for, let's say, three or four games, they're sunk. Well, Sean Hill played almost a half of football on Thursday night yep. in Seattle. Yep. And um, certainly not as importantly as Teddy, but it's important to note that he was then off on Friday. Yes. And then on Saturday and Sunday, Sean Hill was, for whatever reason, and we don't know why, but you could call it old age, unable to practice. <laughs> and so now now my case before the Vikings would be really simple. It would be not the question now to me is not can Sean Hill play in four games and and give you a chance to win those four games, but can Sean Hill get through one or two weeks having to play? Yeah. So so I'm going back to what we talked about in Mankato and if I'm going to sound the alarm, it's very simple. You have to find a backup quarterback who you know that if Bridgewater gets hurt, which is certainly possible, yes. can even stay on the field for you. Yeah, and, and they tried on Nick Foles. I mean, they were certainly in the mix on Nick Foles. I mean, to the point where I had heard that they were looking at, okay, if we sign Nick Foles, the Cowboys need a backup quarterback. I, from what I understand, there were some conversations between the Cowboys and the Vikings about Sean Hill, probably obviously contingent on them signing Nick Foles and no longer needing the services of Sean Hill. Mm-hmm. But yes, it is a it is an issue, and you go back to something that seemed like kind of a funny story in training camp with Taylor Heineke and his foot. But now you're like, no, boy, buddy, I hope that I hope you got back in your roommate or your your friend's apartment, whatever it was, because I hope that was worth it. Because you sit here and say, at least from the perspective of being able to practice two weeks before the start of the season, it is affecting their daily routine right now. Hundred percent. In fact, so so give me your your amateur uh, psychologist view, Ben Gessling, on why Mike Zimmer has been in a terrible mood for a while. And and yes, people like us are fixated on the fact that, that when it comes to the Bridgewater question, he won't answer it. Right. But to be honest with you, I would say the last three or four press conferences that I've gone to involving Mike, he's been curt and short on almost everything. Yeah. And I think one reason might be this. He realizes that the quarterback situation, potentially, and I'm not yeah. saying Bridgewater probably is going, is going to be fine and he's going to play opening day in Tennessee. But what I'm saying is this. If you're the head coach of a team that has aspirations for great success, mm-hmm. which this club does, you also have to say to yourself, if Teddy Bridgewater goes down and I've got this really good defense, who's going to be able to score enough points for me at quarterback? And I think Zimmer's mood might actually be a function of the fact that of what you just said, in whatever he was doing by kicking a glass door, yeah, Heineke was going to have a chance to be the second-string quarterback. Yes, he was. Now he's out. Yes. Now you're stuck with Sean Hill, who's a nice guy and probably a mentor to Teddy, but he's not really probably that big a viable option to play a lot. Yeah. And so I think Zimmer's mood might partially be driven by the fact that uh, that privately he's saying to his GM, Rick Spielman, we got to fix this somehow. We got to yeah. go get somebody. And and I keep getting notes on Twitter from folks saying, "Well, but there aren't backup quarterbacks." I get that, but I'm not talking about a Pro Bowl quarterback backing up Bridgewater. I'm talking about someone that Mike can say, "Okay, at least I can count on you to play for a month if Teddy goes out with a broken foot or something." You know how they could have gone to get? Who's that? 
He was sitting at home babysitting scouts until last week, until the 49ers signed him. He already knows the offense. Oh, not oh, Christian? I, I'm just saying. Christian he already knows Ponder? the offense. He could come in. He started a game for the – no, we don't – yeah, never mind. I, I just remember what happened in that game. Rick can't go down that path Against uh, the Packers in October of 2014. It, yeah, yeah. On second thought, maybe Sean Hill's a better option. It's not a good and, – and I'm not trying to sit here and say that, that there's a good solution to yeah. this. But if there's one blessing in disguise here, I think it is a window into if Teddy goes down, you're sort of sunk right now. Yeah. And, and Heineke's going to come back eventually, but I don't think you can plug and play him now. I mean, this was going to be I, – I thought this was going to be an entire training camp process yeah. in which you could thoroughly evaluate him and then by September say, okay, this kid is prepared to be our, our second-string guy and we'll either release Sean Hill or keep him at the three. But now I think the ship has sailed there too. Yeah, and I think the the unfortunate thing with Heineke, from what I understand, a lot of the reason that the Vikings were considering him possibly being the number two, and they were certainly considering that, is because and we see teams starting to do a little bit more of this now where you try to get a backup quarterback mm -hmm. that does a lot of the things that your starter does so you don't have to change the entire offense. Sure. Speaking of Christian Ponder, like when you get in a playoff game and you have a backup that doesn't do the same things as your starter, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it's, okay, now do we – alter our game plan for our backup quarterback, or do we sit here and say we can't run half of our offense because our backup can't do it? So that was a lot of what, what the Taylor Heineke option, a lot of why that's intriguing and, and may still be intriguing once he gets back. But mm -hmm. that, I think, would have been the kind of thing where if they had him in training camp, could have gotten some work with the number two offense, could have done a lot of the things that they do with Teddy, and then all of a sudden, okay, maybe maybe he gets some chances in these preseason games to work with the ones, to get a little bit of time with that group so that if you have to put him in, you're ready to do that. So that's, I mean, that really, in, in retrospect, like like I said, we all had fun with the fact that, hey, okay, he kicked in a door, you know, late night, boys will be boys, kind of Although he kicked stupid, it in with his left, with his foot, left foot, and he's right-handed, huh? Very odd. What's going on, Ryan Lochte? Well, Matt, the, uh, the Matt Locke... Uh, analysis well, of that. Was it Colombo or Matlock? Oh, no. One more thing. It's Colombo. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Taylor, just one more thing. You're right-handed, so how'd you go about kicking in the uh, door with your left foot? Yes, that we've had a little fun with that. Uh, assuming the story checks out, <laughs> we've had some fun with it, but yep. it does become one of those things now where if they had Taylor Heineke, you'd probably be feeling a little bit better about it, and as it is... I mean, this is, I guess this is where, you know, to, to get back to Mike Zimmer and, and what he's chosen to do with this story, this is the kind of thing that if he had come out Thursday evening and said, hey, or even had the PR department send this explanation back up to Matt Benzel and Chris Thomas and sure. the two beat writers who were out there covering the game in Seattle, hey, Teddy's got a little bit of a sore shoulder, not a big deal, we're just giving him some rest, we're, we're giving Sean the night mm -hmm. to play, wouldn't have been a big deal. Probably would have killed this. He would have gotten a couple of questions about it after the game, but wouldn't have turned into this big talking point that it now has by him deciding not to discuss it. And and we've heard an entire range of things on social media from fans from uh, why are they being like this to why does the media think they're entitled to answers to what does this mean for Teddy and, and all of this sort of stuff. And it's not so much that we're sitting here saying we have to have the answers because we're entitled to it. And number one, the reason fans should realize the number one reason we're seeking answers is so that we can relay that to the fans of the team that follow what we're writing. Right. 
the but the main thing here is that we're just confused by the fact that this could have been a fairly minor thing that has now turned into a four day story, a five day story. I mean, if Teddy's not practicing, it's still going to become a question, and it's going to be something we're looking at. But the fact that they have been so secretive about it does lead you to wonder: okay, is it a bigger deal, right? than what my sources led me to believe. And I think those people are right. I trust those people, and I, those people would have no reason to sugarcoat things. But it does make you wonder the longer the silence goes on and the longer we don't see Bridgewater. Yeah, and if they remain uh, tight-lipped about this, and let's say he doesn't practice now on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then he doesn't start against the Chargers, yeah. the alarm is going to get sounded. And he's playing that th- and in that fourth preseason that's game, the I one, think. That's the one thing that confuses me is I get – competitive advantage yep i really do yep last year zimmer apologized because he lied but he lied about the fact that and and although it might have been obvious to you guys terrence newman was going to start at safety against the cardinals yeah i get not volunteering that i wouldn't tell you guys that right now if you figured it out and wrote it i can't stop that but nonetheless, if I'm going to have a player change positions or I'm practicing a formation, I'm not going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Bridgewater, it almost seems to me like the Vikings, by being quiet about this, are setting themselves up for way more panic publicly yes. than is necessary. Because if it's a sore arm and I get up there tomorrow and I tell you guys, hey, look, it's a sore arm. We're a little bit concerned here. We're going to hold him out of the third preseason game, which is not ideal. But here's what's going on. Then I'm controlling things. Right. If he doesn't play on Sunday, then he not, he's not going to play in game four. No. So now you're talking about two series in the entire preseason. Mm-hmm. So to me, there's a difference between competitive advantage and giving away, giving away information that's going to compromise my strategy and game plan yeah. versus controlling a message because the, the Vikings' problem now is it looks like it looks like they're hiding something, as you said, yeah. that's bigger. Teams, though, traditionally don't get that. There's some teams that do, yeah. but for the most part, this this is a league filled with a lot of teams that think information is going to kill them when yeah. that's not necessarily true. Well, and the thing, too, you talk about competitive advantage, and I get that not everybody's going to agree with this point, and I get that it's a bit self-serving for the media's interest, but couldn't you make the argument that if you're not talking about this and everybody's coming up to Jarius Wright and Sean Hill and Adam Thielen and... Charles Johnson, yeah, the entire locker room, basically. asking about Teddy. Right. What does it mean to not have him? Yep. Now you've created the other thing that NFL teams can't stand—a distraction. Yep. NFL th- teams think distractions kill you, and I, I disagree with that a little bit. But mm-hmm. couldn't you argue that by turning this into the story that it is becoming, at least at the moment, and maybe Teddy gets back out there tomorrow and everything's fine? We'll see. But in general, when you handle things this way and it, it becomes a talking point, yep. You may create a distraction, and I, I think in general you're underestimating the people that cover this for a living a little bit in the sense that, oh, if we just tell them it's our decision, they're going to respect that and be like, okay, well, if that's what he said, then that must be the truth, and, and that's all he's going to say about it, and we're, we're going to just go away. Correct. So be, I mean, maybe some reporters would handle it that way. But speaking for myself, I, you know, I'm going to go try to find out what's going on, and I think a lot of people and if would you be don't, in the same boat. a national person right, will. Right, right. And, and the – Intri- the interesting thing or intriguing thing to me here, is, too, is this. You get a lot of, of feedback from fans saying, well, Bill Belichick does it this way or that way. Yeah. Well, one, he's got rings. He's also got Tom Brady. He's got Brady. He's got rings. 
And the other thing that's disturbing is when you go down this path, I've seen this this play before. Yeah. yeah. And it was Brad Childress's play. Mm-hmm. And what happens? Brad Childress was incredibly secretive. Yep. And then Rick Spielman got hired. And between the two of them, they became convinced that any information shouldn't be given out. Yeah. Well, I'm here to tell you right now, this organization still has zero rings. And paranoia, paranoia is fine if it's there And for... zero playoff victories in this decade. Exactly. So don't give me the Belichick thing, because until this team wins and until they get, they've never, but they've never fully comprehended when to give out information and when not to. The Favre thing was the perfect example. Yeah. In 2009, I went round and round with a Vikings official because they wouldn't talk about Favre. And I said, look, number one, the public wants to know. The public is very curious about this. It's Brett Bleep and Favre. Yes. The other thing is Brett Favre's going to play one place. He's either going to play for the Vikings or he's never coming back. Right. So there is no so so what I said to this official was we are not talking about competitive advantage here. We're, we're talking, talking about, about we're talking about you guys looking like jerks for the sake of being jerks. Yeah. And at the time, you want a new stadium, you want the public to be on board, but yet you're trying to keep them at arm's length. And I understand that football coaches don't care about that. Yeah. But I also think to what you're talking about, you're now wasting a lot of your time spinning your wheels, having players be asked questions they don't need to be asked because you, if you're, if you're Zimmer and Spielman, should be controlling this, and they are refusing to control it. And I know there's, I know 15% of the fans don't care. Yeah. But, but add this all up. So let's forget for one second that, that this is about one player. Put this all in the pot of the 2016 season and stir it around. The more unnecessary BS you cause yourself. Getting in that mixture. Yes. and yeah. th- But that's why teams. But then to what we're talking about here, then don't come back and tell me we're trying to avoid distractions when you right now are purposely and naively creating one for yourself. Yes. Because that's what you're doing. But But this is never just this conversation doesn't exist in the vacuum of just tell us what's wrong with Teddy and that's fine. It exists in the conversation of use your common sense. God yeah. gave you common sense, so use it and ask yourself, are you helping yourself right now? Or, as you just said, when Jarius Wright standing on the field having to answer questions about something that he shouldn't have to answer questions about if you had given the proper response. Yep. So that's the frustrating thing. I've just you, We both have, have uh, seen this so many times. Teams that allow themselves to get caught up in we're not going to give you information, and you just say, hold on a second here. It's sometimes that makes no sense. Well, and the, and the last thing on this point, and we'll move on to, to other things, is that I asked around to our NFL Nation group last week, just kind of out of curiosity, okay, how, how does your team handle injuries? Sure. It was kind of a mixed bag. The Vikings are certainly not the only team that is being more discreet or more reticent to talk about injuries. I think the Vikings are have moved more in that direction over the last two years. They're not the only team doing it. Whatever. That's fine. The point I, that stuck out to me is mm-hmm. that three of the reporters who got back to me and said, yeah, my, my team will talk about this stuff. They're, they don't care. They're great about it. They'll, they'll, be, they'll answer questions. They'll give entry information. They'll be honest about it. Denver Broncos. Right. Super Bowl champions. Yeah, they've done okay. Carolina Panthers. NFC champions. Would they win 15 games 15 last year? 15 games. Okay. Arizona Cardinals played in the NFC championship game and have made the playoffs, what, in the last two years or at least been a 10 And Bruce Arians, pretty good years. coach last yeah, time I checked. Yeah, a couple times. 
Uh, Seattle Seahawks, another team that I think has had a little bit of success recently and is, is generally pretty willing to say, hey, yeah, here's what's going on with our guys. I mean, you don't give away everything, right. obviously, and we get that. But Nor should you. It No. It, and it, it does not seem, however, like every team that is answering some of these questions and saying, okay, you ask a question, I'm going to answer the question to whatever degree that I want to cooperate Mm -hmm. and picking a a reasonable degree of cooperation, it does not seem like that is preventing those teams from winning on Sundays. There's a party on our podcast and you're invited. Hey everyone, Anthony Maggio here. Join me, Bo Mitchell, and John Tuvey every Thursday through week 16 of the NFL season for 1500 ESPN's Fantasy Football Party Podcast. Whether you're an office league novice or swimming with the DFS Sharks, we've got all the analysis and mostly dated cultural references you need to make you a winner. Find us on Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, or subscribe on iTunes today. So my question to you is this uh, from a personnel perspective. Having seen what you've seen now uh, with Bridgewater out for the time being, probably very short term, Mm -hmm. but... Knowing what you know about the quarterback situation now, if you're Rick Spielman, what do you do about your backup QB situation? Well, because you've got a window, yeah. you got a window here now to have seen what will happen. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, I I have sensed that I don't think they're going to go out and try to find a replacement for Sean Hill. I mean, Sean Hill is what he is, and I think if he is in a situation where he's got to have a couple of days off of practice, it's it's not good, but. I mean, if he's back out there Sunday and he's able to play a fair amount, and I, I thought he played reasonably well. I'm not saying there's no reason to panic here at all. I, I think this is a, a problem that could become a big one simply because for whatever Sean Hill is at this point, Teddy Bridgewater gives you a lot more than that, and you need another option. Yep. I just don't know that they're going to go find a guy at this point. I mean, Nick Foles was kind of a rare case in the sense that guy that gets cut has starting quarterback experience. Right. You aren't going to find a lot of guys on the open market at this point that are, are going to represent that. Maybe there's a guy at the end of training camp. That's that, what I was going to say. Is someone maybe going to get cut yeah. or become available where you can send somebody a seventh-round draft pick for him? I mean, it, I I think we talked about it yesterday when we were watching practice, but he's in Tennessee right now, so it's a competitive issue. But Matt Castle, I mean, is that a name that at some point you say, okay, this guy's been in our offense before, and he's not going to give us a lot, but – if we want another option, well, is that if, something you consider? If Bridgewater gets hurt during this season and they've done nothing and Hill is the backup yeah. and things don't go well, they're going to get roasted for it and they're going to deserve it. Yeah, They are going to deserve every bit of criticism that they get because they've now had a couple, couple options and times to say, we understand we're not going to go out and get a great quarterback, but listen, if you have to play Sean Hill for three weeks, I don't even know he can play two weeks full. Yeah. And that arm, you know, against Seattle, he was serviceable, but those balls were just fluttering through the air. And that was with a semi-fresh Sean Hill. Yeah. So I do think this I do think this front office is going to come under extreme heat if something happens to Teddy. And I'm not going to be shocked if something happens to Teddy. So. Yeah. Yeah, it is going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. And, and I think one of the things that we wanted to get into here is one of the reasons why something could happen to Teddy, the offensive line. We saw it again Thursday night at yep. times where the pass protection wasn't exactly something that – I mean, it wasn't horrible all the time, but it, it did not leave you feeling like, 
okay, they fixed this issue and everything's fine. Now, part of it has been they haven't had the five that I think we would agree that they probably would like to have, which would be Khalil, Boone, probably Sullivan, Fusco, and Andre Smith Yep, because of injuries. But is this something that we need to be concerned about again? 100%. Yeah, I would agree 100%. From the, so Lord Holt retired, the, I think, the Monday before training camp started. Mike Harris was diagnosed with something in June. And, Mike, you know, keep in mind, that right guard fight battle was supposed to be Mike Harris and Fusco. Would have looked a lot different. And that and, and, and there's no guarantee Mike Harris doesn't win that battle. Right. And now, who knows if and when he plays again. I would think that if Zimmer is in a bad mood right now, if quarterback is 1A, offensive line is 1B. Yeah. And, and then on Sunday, there's no update on this yet, but Matt Khalil hobbles off of practice early on and doesn't come back. Right. Uh, so the offensive line, the offensive line went from okay. They fire the position coach. Tony Sprano uh, gets hired to beat the position coach. Yeah. You're going to have all this competition, and then early on in camp, they're going to uh, hopefully pick their five guys, and from here on out, it's going to be building continuity. Right. Well, besides the Sprano hire, there's been no nothing. Continuity. Nothing has happened, and yes, I would say as great as Peterson can be at times. Right now, you don't look at this line at all and say. Man, it's changed a lot. You don't. Yeah. Well, and the thing with Peterson, too, you bring that up. In 2012, he was obviously brilliant on his own, did a lot of individually great things, but the infrastructure he had around him is a big part of the reason he was as good that year as he was. The right side of that line with Fusco and Lodeholt that season, and Sullivan had a great year, too, they did so much work clearing holes for him and Jerome Felton had a fantastic year. Jerome Felton went to the Pro Best Bowl fullback the Peterson ever worked yeah. with easily probably. It got Jerome Felton paid, it got Phil Lodeholt yep, paid, it probably right. helped get Brandon Fusco paid. Mm-hmm. All basically every guy from John Sullivan over got a new contract from the Vikings after that. Mm-hmm. So yes Peterson was great that season, but when he had that many things in front of him going right and I think he would tell you this, too, is that you, you can't do it all alone. I mean, I, when you have people that are opening those kinds of holes for you, like they were that season, that he can hit with a full head of steam, it makes things a lot easier. So, yes, the the biggest concern is what they do for Bridgewater. But I had people in the organization tell me last year that they thought it was a minor miracle that Adrian ran for almost 1,500 yards, given the state of that offensive line last year and given the number of times where – and we all, we all talked about all the negative runs and, and the runs that were – you know, fam, famine, famine, feast, as Adrian likes to say, or right. phantom, phantom, feast, as I think he actually says a lot of times. <laughs> but some of the issue there was the fact that they weren't opening a lot of huge holes for him on the right side of that line sometimes. So not having the group that you want there necessarily yep. is an issue. Is excuse me, an issue as well. And you sort of see why Rick Spielman has talked about this when he's been asked about offensive linemen and said, I think we asked him about it after the season last year, and he said, you know, my philosophy is we're going to keep flinging them in there. That's how he put it. We're going to keep getting more and more of them because it takes them a while to develop. Mm-hmm. Guys get hurt. Mm-hmm. You get guys that don't play necessarily as well with other guys. You need this unit of people that's going to work well together, and you see it now. I mean, you went from thinking they're, they've got all of these veterans and they're going to have this this cutthroat competition that's going to bring the best out of everybody yep. to a couple of injuries – Phil Lodl retires. Mike Harris goes off with with the illness that he has. 
John Sullivan is back, Joe Berger is back, but Brandon Fusco then gets hurt, Matt Khalil's hurt, and all of a sudden you're looking at it and saying, we're kind of back to the bare bones as far as well, options go. If you concede that you think Boone at left guard will be good, yeah, and you concede that Khalil at left tackle is an unknown, which I think he still is, I'm yeah. not sure... I don't know if you if we should put him on a decent year or not, but let's just concede for a second here to not talk about the left side of the line, Ben Gessling, and you look at what was some of your biggest concerns, which was what? It was center, yep. right guard, mm-hmm. and then right tackle. Yep. The center position is still uh, unknown. Now, my understanding is that Sullivan has not looked great, Berger could win that job, but you just alluded to the fact that Berger had to play right guard when Fusco went out. Yeah. Uh, and Fusco is a guy who was successful at right guard at one time, but moved to left guard and was terrible. So now he, he goes back. And I'm sorry, but Andre Smith so far has underwhelmed me. And, yeah. he, and he looks like a guy who has, who when you look at him physically, you say, man, that's it. That's, that's a left or right tackle. But in Cincinnati, he never ever lived up to that. Yeah, and so to me, if if we were looking going into training camp and saying center, right guard, right tackle, all all should be improved, or by the end of training camp, or by this part of training camp, you would at least have a good idea. I don't think you know at all. And if anything, I think you're far more concerned than you were in late July when they reported to Mankato. Yeah, it's it's the kind of thing that makes you wonder if this is going to be a problem again, because, I mean, they're still looking at right tackle in some ways with TJ Clemmings and Andre Smith. I don't think that's settled yet, and Andre Smith hasn't played well enough in games. On a one-year contract, too. I mean, if there's ever incentive for Andre Smith to kick butt and be great, it's right now, right? and he still can't do it. Yeah, no, that that is a concern. The center situation, I think, you know, you, you figure one of those guys is going to take the job and do well, but they're both in their 30s. John Sullivan's coming off back injuries. Joe Berger might end up playing a guard spot now. Yeah, so, he's a valuable, ba- incredibly valuable yes, backup. Yes, so it's 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 an issue across the board, and you almost wonder if I mean, there's this group of other guys that, that we haven't talked about because they're not among the sort of established group, but they've there've been these guys that they've acquired now: Jeremiah Searles, mm-hmm. Nick Easton, Zach Karen. I mean, all of these guys that they either made trades for in the cases of Easton. Signed in the case. Well, I guess Searles was a trade, too. Searles and Easton were trades. From San Diego, right? Yes. Searles was Yeah, Chargers. and roster cut down deadline last year. Okay. So they, they acquired both of these guys. And then mm-hmm. Zach Karen is a guy they signed as an undrafted free agent that they've liked and they've kept around and continue to develop. You almost wonder if one of those guys is going to get in the mix now, if they can develop enough to be part of the solution. I mean, Carter Bykowski, a guy that they brought in a couple of years ago that they've kept around. I mean, there are other options that we don't, talk about as much because their names aren't quite as well known sure as much as star power matters on an offensive line but you wonder if one of those guys is going to end up getting pressed into service and maybe that's not a bad thing given where things are at but I certainly don't think we're sitting here on August 22nd with the offensive line being you know we're, we're not sitting here saying oh it's fixed it's it's fine right and that, that, of course, has a direct reflection on the play of your quarterback. So, yes, it does. Yeah, no, I, I would say I would say right now, because the quarterback thing, I think uh, Bridgewater, excuse me, will be fine. I think my biggest concern, if you were to ask me right now, 
offensive line. Yeah. With a bullet because yeah. that's the one that's the one place where you say that you went into training camp saying, okay, it's going to clear itself up, and so far it hasn't. Right, right. It, it has become an issue again, and you look at the defense as well as it's played in the preseason and as well as it played last year, and you say, okay, this group's going to be pretty good again. The wide receivers, I like some of the things that have happened there. I mean, there's more depth there, I think, than, than we've seen them put out there in the past. Charles Johnson looks back and healthy and motivated. Adam is, Thielen's taking a step. This is the most most depth they've had at wide yeah. receiver in a long time. Yeah. And and the one thing that I'm not I'm concerned sure about. sure your recent first-round picks are going to contribute a lot to that at the moment, but that's, that's another true. story. But you know what? The Treadwell thing doesn't concern me yet yeah. because I, I keep hearing people say he can't get open. He's not this. He's not that. First yeah. of all, he, he's he's a rookie. Yeah. Second of all, he's not a speed a speed demon. No, he's not. So, but if you look at the way that Charles Johnson's looked, yep, which has been really good to me. Yes. Thielen looks spectacular. Yep. He looks really good. 2014 Mr. Mankato winner. Thank you very much. Diggs is a very solid 2015 player. Mr. Mankato winner. Very, very solid. So that's the one place where I say, okay, this can work. But once again, it all comes back to one thing, your protection. Yep. If you don't have time to throw to him, not going to matter who's right. catching the pass. Right. So. Yeah, and it's, it, it is something that I think with the Quan Treadwell, the immediate impact there could come in the red zone. I mean, he could be a guy that in those short-yarded situations ends that's up my being question. a, a yeah. factor. If you deem that he can that he can make difficult catches mm-hmm. in traffic, then he's fine. Right, right. Because, I mean, that could be the immediate impact yes. there. Yeah, but this whole thing, I mean, anybody that thinks this kid's going to fly down the field and catch a 40-yard pass consistently, yeah. I don't know what you're thinking. Yeah. I mean, he, he was never advertised that way to start off with. No, he wasn't. Even for him, I think there are some questions about how much he's able to run and, and get open. I liked his route running coming out of college. Never a guy that you thought was going to be a vertical threat, a speedster kind of guy. But even for him, and they said it after the draft, they thought, okay, he's going to keep getting healthier as he gets further removed from that leg injury that he had at Ole Miss. Maybe that's still happening, but you do wonder about that a little bit, how that's going to play at game speed, and and we'll get a better sense of that in the coming weeks. But I, I like what they have independent of Laquan Treadwell and Cordero Patterson and you know Cordero Patterson could be a factor too, but some of these less heralded guys they brought in yep. look like they can contribute. So you like what they have there. Obviously, the running backs are in good shape with Adrian and Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, it it continues to be the issues that has always been. My sense off of the the Seahawks game, by the way, is that Cordero Patterson very much might be used back as he was in his rookie year yes. as a gimmick guy. That is he's a possibility. Gonna, the screens and all yes. those things. Because he's good. You know what? He's fine there. But I I think if you really believe this coaching staff is going to come out and ask Cordero Patterson to run routes, yeah. I think you're kidding yourself. I think Cordero Patterson, there very well might be a mandate to involve him more yeah. and to involve him more in gimmick plays. But I don't have, for until um, I see it consistently, I don't have an expectation for one second that he's actually going to come out and start to run routes. Yeah, and I, I had people tell me that there was certainly some consternation in the organization last year, and you can probably figure out who the consternation was from, about Patterson. Hagen? Uh, no. Tom West it upset was higher, about it? higher oh, up okay. the food chain than that. All right. Uh, people that were, uh, shall we say, had a hand in him getting here. 
were, were frustrated by the fact that he wasn't on the field because they saw what this guy could do back in 2013, and they saw the reasons they, that he was drafted. Yep. It does not surprise me to see him involved in those types of ways again because I know that that was a conversation at the end of last season. Sure. Well, we've seen how this guy can be effective before. Why are we not looking at that as an option? So I would not be surprised at all if he's back doing some of those things, and they've incorporated those things in their offense. This is not an offense that sits there and says, all right, we're going to play classic North Turner football, seven-step drops, everything's 15 to 18 yards down the field. Right. We're going to go bang eight all day. They have – I love that phrase. Yeah, it's it's kind of a – it's a football term that people that don't know it probably sit there and say, wait, what did he just say? It's the bang eight. It's the bang Do eight. Do you want to explain it real quick? It's a skinny post. It's uh, I know, but it's it, so much it, better it, when it said bang eight. Yes, it is. It's Madden-like of you. There's Gotta a bang, get the eight. bang eight. Boom. Brett Favre. Brett Favre with the bang eight. My Madden's not good. We need Derek Wetmore in here yeah, to do anything. No, mine's lacking too. Related, Don't worry but, about it. But um, yeah, it's a skinny post. It, the Eric Coriel route tree that numbers yeah. every route zero to nine. A post route's an eight route. So I don't I don't know where the bang came in, but because uh, bang's a football, it's I, such yeah, a football it is a bang. term. Bang is a football word. Well, There's what, no what in, about intrigues it, me about uh, put, bang eighty? I think is the other. I think that's the. Variation. What intrigues me about potential uh, trick plays or gimmick plays is that they wouldn't all ought to come from Norv necessarily. When a guy like Pat Shermer, when a guy like Pat Shermer, who was an offensive coordinator and head coach at one time, might have a playbook full of ideas for Cordell Patterson. He might. Now, I will interrupt your your hot take on Pat Shermer for a second here, Sports Grinch. And you're wearing a very nice Grinchy green shirt today, by the way. All I did, Gessling, was I slid. That wasn't a hot take. I just basically just slid it below the door. I slid the take below the door yep. and said, hey, it might be Pat Shermer's idea of how to have these screens work. To very, very impressive in what can either be considered um, Pat Shermer, Chip Kelly, Eagles colors or sports crunch colors, one of the two. <laughs> but there were some of these things in the offense before that. I mean, we saw them running screens. We I saw them running my, jet sweeps. And all. Me down I, like I'm just trying to bring some facts to the situation. It's, I don't it's enjoy an annoying facts. habit that I have. I enjoy guys like um, like Pat Shermer and Tony Sperano bringing different ideas to the it's, offensive mix. It's been this, this. I've been on this kick the last few days rather than you know saying, hey, coach's decision. We don't need to worry about it. I, yeah, just Can I make try that to decision? stir things up. Can I make that decision? Okay. It was do my I have decision. the right to do that? Yeah. Yeah, you do. But we have the right to ask the questions and expect that there's some kind of an answer to it. At any rate, they've run some of those things before, yep. and I think we saw them do it with Adam Thielen. We saw them do it with Jarius Wright, Charles Johnson. They've run some screens there. That said, I still think Cordero brings a dimension if they can do some of that stuff that you certainly want to have in your offense. thousand percent. If you're willing to do you it. You have to account for him if he's yes. on the field. And if you – if let's say you use Cordell cre- creatively – once every three games, but you put them on the field during games. Right. Then you have Defenses to account for Defenses have it. to account for it. Yes. I'm all, there's nothing that drives me more crazy in this league than predictability, which yep. I think a lot of teams major in predictability. So if the Vikings gonna, have been accused of that at times. And they have. So if you're going to put Cordero out there and, and get creative, good for you. Yeah. I'm, all for, I'm not sports grinch at all then. Okay. I applaud you for that. All right. If you're going to have him run screens or do something, or, or you know he lines up in the backfield or something weird, Good for you. If you do that, the Sports Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day. That's exactly right. As he hears the uh, the who's down, how about third the who down, singing. How about third down play with uh, with McKinnon and Patterson on the field? And Peterson not on and, the field. And Peterson not on the field. 
That would be just a, a that'd be sports grinch heaven right there. A just Pat Shermer design play with Adrian like Peterson it. not no, on the field on third down. That's not true. I've just told Mackey a few times in, in the past <laughs> couple of weeks that I'm pretty convinced that McKinnon's going to be your third down right. this year. That's all. I'm not trying to. It's just interesting. But it would be like the the confluence of your two. Yeah, but it makes it sound like I don't like Peterson projects as, of off, as a player the, the offseason. And that's not true. I just think Peterson has certain attributes that don't usually extend to sure. third down. Unless you want to get even more creative and have Peterson on the field with McKinnon at the same time on third down, which I think they'll do this year. The options are not like endless, the, but there there are many of them, yes. I love the idea of creativity on offense. Because I had to cover the Brad Childers Vikings for far <laughs> too long until Brett Favre came when he got creative himself. Yes. Where you had no creativity whatsoever. And Brett Favre, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, uh, given to revealing some news in his press conferences from time to time. Oh, just, just we know if Brett Favre was a coach with the Vikings now. Oh, boy. We would have Teddy's x-rays in front yep, of us. That would be fun. Did, did he get x-rays? Maybe. Can, I, can he play? Does he need Tommy Maybe. John surgery? Perhaps after Maybe. the season. <laughs> what do you got next one? U.S. Bank Stadium opens this weekend for football. Yep. It has been open now for three events. The the big international soccer friendly that we had earlier this month and then back-to-back concerts from Luke Bryan and Metallica last weekend. Yes, sir. The early reviews, I, I think a lot of these things are probably things that you work through in a new stadium, but the early reviews have had some common themes. Yes. It's hard to get in. Yep. It's hard to get to your seat, somewhat possibly because of the labyrinthine, labyrinthine however you say that word, labyrinth-like. Yeah, I'm confused by you right now. Concourses and escalators and all of this stuff that <laughs> makes it hard to get to your seats. But, yes, sir. Sports Grinch, I yep. believe you have a suggestion that can make all of these logistical well, problems a lot easier. I have, the early days of US Bank I have been in the stadium. I have not been in the stadium for an event. Yes. So I'm going by what I've read. I've got two suggestions. My first suggestion is it sounds like some of the temporary portable concession stands are set up too close to other concession stands. Okay. Therefore, I haven't heard this one yet. Therefore, causing a log jam. Okay. So that, but that's very fixable. Right. Co- common sense will tell you let's not have the beer concession stand set up by this, and then that's fine. So that's fixed. My honest suggestion, though, is that they put up... Now, they the Vikings have fully acknowledged that they want the majority of the people to come in through the... And they know that, that they will come in through the big double doors, the huge glass doors. The iconic double doors. The iconic double doors, which, which is great. That's fine. No problem there. But, but they also... People are complaining of jamming at the same time. And what yes. my guess is that what you have is the younger crowd gets in, they walk in the stadium for the first time ever, and they look around, and they stop in their tracks and say, this is unbelievable. What do I need to do? What's the first thing that every, let's say, between the age of um, of 16 and Careful. 35? No, don't put me in this group. Oh, you're in the group. No. I mean, I'm, How old I'm, are technically, you? I'm technically a millennial. I'm 33. Okay, well then you are in the group. But I'm not a selfie taking part of the group. Okay, problem. but you would, but you're not you necessarily. I'm not saying just you. I'm saying that your generation stops and takes selfies. It does. So I, I the older I get, the less I like to be uh, grouped in with. This and generation. hey, listen, listen. There are times that selfies. I'm not a big fan, but whatever. I, I also don't care that much. For the record, Sports Crunch, my phone currently has 1,306 photos on it. Yep. 
and Apple now groups selfies separately. Of course they do. A mere 19 All right. of those photos are selfies, and most of them are with my kids. All right. this so they're is not a, even really selfies. This is not all about you, Gessling. My point is, before the game on Sunday, Vikings... Actually, put, two of them are from Kramer in the Winter Park media room last year when I was just trying to mess with them and take pictures of them. So you're really at 17. I really at 17. So anyway, here's, with my kids. here's what I'm asking from the Vikings and the... Is it Stadium Authority now? The Minnesota Sports Facilities Authority Commission, but anyway, SMG is running the place. Put up a sign. Put up a sign inside the doors that say "No selfies." I'm not saying you can't have selfies in the stadium. You can take them at your seat. For all I care, you can take them walking around the building. But I know what's happening. You and your types, you and your kind, in your generation, are stopping people of my ilk dead in their tracks to take selfies, and that's stopping the crowd from moving. No selfies when you walk in the double glass doors. How would you enforce this? Just with signs? Put up a sign and you have people standing there working. Usher saying, move along, move along. Everybody move along. In fact, you know what you do? You get a big booming PA thing right in that area saying, no selfies. Please move along. Stop stopping all the people, you selfish little brats. Nobody cares about paid for this. Nobody cares about your pictures. Nobody cares about your pictures. And if you continue to walk through, we will announce what's wrong with Teddy Bridgewater. So you'll find out that much information <laughs> for all the money that you invested. And you can go tweet that instead of the picture you took. You know what you should but do But I'm not Sports Grinch because I am not. I am not. Uh, until I am adversely impacted yeah. in the new stadium, if you don't expect there to be glitches, yeah. you're an idiot. Yeah. There's always gl- I love the folks who say, I went there and the lines were long. Well, the place just opened. Let's let's give it some time. Yeah, there are a few things you got to work out and, and get some of the, the logistics under control before you really make a fair assessment of that. I am I'm typically fairly anti-selfie. So I, I'm with you on that. I just I don't appreciate being grouped in when I myself you're 30 am not. You just said that though. I'm 33, you're, but you're in the group. But I'm not like a pro selfie. But this isn't type about person. you. This is about your ilk. But this you're is trying about to group your... me with the people because you're you're in it. But you're trying to associate me with the problem. Okay, I'm trying how many to of your friends, take myself out of the situation. How many of the, of the people that you know who are around your age like to take selfies a lot? Probably quite a few. That's my point. Okay. I'm not trying to point the finger at you. I'm pointing the finger at, let's just say, people who drive. So starting at 16. Okay. God forbid, of course, they can drive at that age, but they can. Shouldn't be taking selfies while you're driving anyway. To kids. 35. Let's, let's because after, and listen, I know there's people over 35 that take selfies too. But I'm just thinking about why would, why would you stop, stop the crowd? That's one thing. And you know as well as I do that people are walking in, and the yeah. first thing they want to do is be like, I'm going to send a selfie to my friend, and I'm going to take it immediately. Because the other problem with your elk is they can't wait to do something. Well, and the thing is... And you with, know I'm right. I, well, I do know about that, if you yes. Think about, if you think about your generation. What? what your generation. Are, what are, you, are you Generation X? Or are you, you're, not, you're not old enough to be a boomer, are you? No, I'm not a boomer. Born in 69, I think. Okay, the boomer, I think you're I think Generation the, X. I think technically. I think I, to be honest with you, Gessling, I think I might not have a, a generation... You're a man outside of time. No, no, I'm serious. The boomer stopped in the late 60s, It's right? like 1960. It's like 1945 and 1960. Yeah, war kids. Yes. World War II. Uh, and then Generation X, I think, is in the 80s? I think it... No, late that's 70s? Generation Y. I think Generation X, and people can correct us on this. They can tweet us, 1500 ESPN Judd, at Gessling ESPN. Tell us if we're wrong. I might not we have We could just a, look this up. I might not have. No, I think you're Generation X, right. because... 
I, I believe that the boomers end at 1960. That's like when the, the, the population numbers start to go back yeah, to Yeah, because the post-war kids went sky high. Right. Because for obvious reasons. Yes, yeah. you get back home, and yep. you want to start a family, you haven't seen your significant other in a couple Correct. of years, yada, yada, yada. Yep. Anyway, so that I think is where the baby boom stops. And then I, th- I believe Generation X then is everything from... It was the 13th generation. I think that's why it's called Generation X. I think from 1960 to like 1981, 1982. I think you would be in there. I I wish it went a little bit later because I would rather not be grouped with the millennials. But having graduated high school in 2001, which technically was the start of the new millennium, I suppose I am stuck in that group. I was not born in the new millennium. I'm I'm not like Wetmore, Kramer, like. I, I I'm entitled to well, everything right now. Like I don't have to work hard for anything. They're like, children that kind of though, stuff. compared to you. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're twenty. What's Kramer? Twenty three, twenty four. Yeah. What more? Despite Derek the fact that he wants you to think he's a, a PBS listening NPR. Oh uh, yeah, he's a fraud. Well, he wants you to think he's fifty, but he's not. So I, I'm not as much in that group. But yes, I suppose technically I am with the age cohort of the selfie types, and I do agree that. Take it on the way out because the other thing, people... Or at your seat for all I right. care. And especially on Sunday. When you walk out of that building, mm-hmm. 4 o'clock or so, mm-hmm. late afternoon, the visual with the skyline in the background is going to be a lot cooler than high noon kickoff when it's just going to look like the middle of the day. Bring sunglasses, too. Because yeah. if you're on the one side of the stadium where the sun comes in, yeah. that's going to be bright. Now you told me that the reviews of the uh, of the wireless are terrible, right? Which is that surprising because yes. they've been they've been bragging that up forever. Yes, about how great the wireless was going to be in the stadium. Yeah, they have, and I, I've heard that from both people on Twitter and media people that are complaining about these things as we like to do. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that is one of those things that you say. I mean, they talked so much about how oh, we got all these access points and everything's going to be great. It is probably one thing to say it; it's another thing to see what happens when there are 50,000 people in the stadium as there were for Metallica. Complete drain on the system. Yes. The other thing I've heard on on the good side, I suppose, from a football perspective, is that the place is loud. Like, people were in there for Metallica Because the the acoustics, supposedly, from the concert weren't very good, but the building it's super loud because they've got the – if you look on the roof – Yep. They've got those the sound I'm not sure what you could – Yeah, sound panels. Yeah, to reflect the sound back down. Which bring the noise in. Yes. Which will be great. Here's we have an open press box again, so when they shoot that cannon off and my organs oh, drop, yeah, so, like it used to in the Metrodome, that'll so be fun. here's the funniest thing to me about Get this off whole thing. Lawn. The funniest thing is this. The organization, the Vikings, so the business people, all that, are going to yep. be ecstatic on Sunday. Yep. I mean, this whole week, the buildup, and you know what? Good for them. Gotta they got to be on the place, message. They got the place built. Fantastic. But within their own building, I would say maybe the most miserable people will be the coaching staff. Yeah, probably. Because football people hate nothing more than grand openings, right? Yep. I mean, they're going to be Zimmer and the coaches and are going to be asked all week about your first game in the new stadium, blah, blah, blah. And all Zimmer wants to do at the end of the day is look at the 90 players. Yep. Right? He doesn't – you could take – he would prefer to go to Eden Prairie High School's field and play this game. Yeah. And not have anyone give a damn so he, he can make an evaluation of – the roster, and he's going to be asked all week about you know what's it going to be like to play in. The- no, he's going to get asked about Teddy all week. But yeah, he'll no, get no, asked but, about this too. But I'm saying the build up to the stadium, coaches hate that yeah. stuff. Yeah, because they just want to evaluate their roster. They'd prefer if if they could. If you told Mike 
All right, Mike, I'll give you two options. You can play at noon on Sunday or 3 a.m. on Monday. Probably take 3 a.m. He take 3 a.m. Yeah. So it, but it's just so funny because this is a sport or a situation where you're going to have so much of the organization so excited for this. Yeah. But ultimately, coaching staff will say, "We are going to be so happy when this thing is done." Mike Zimmer at the groundbreaking and that's not a criticism. It's no. just how coaches work at the groundbreaking in Egan when they're sitting out there in the sun in suits and waiting for you know this person and that person to make speeches, which he's had to do a few times this summer. That one, especially when it was outside and it was hot, he looked like he wanted to be anywhere else in the world. Of course he does. But I mean, both he and Rick Spielman did. I, and I, I get that there's there's a lot of fatigue with those things when they they take you to this event and that event, and you have to be shaking hands and and you know greasing palms and, and kissing babies. It's a mob thing. Kissing but, babies, as they say. Yes, shaking hands, kissing babies. I was trying to avoid the cliche, but it, and yes. I, inadvertently, I think I. Talked about something that the so mob does. So you grease does, palms. So yeah, yeah. That, that, they don't want to grease thing. palms. They probably don't do that. That'd be a bad thing. They probably don't do that. I mean, they might, but it'd be a bad thing well, if they do. Yeah, they wouldn't admit to it. I get that 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 all gets old and that uh, you get tired of doing all that stuff. Sure. But yes, I would agree that that if they could play this game at three a.m., which, as Matchbox Twenty One said, you must be lonely at three a.m. <laughs> That probably would be a that, that's sure. a millennial song. I know, for and I, you can late nineties, late nineties, crappy, wussy rock have that song that the millennials some bad grew up listening bad to music in the late nineties. Oh, yes. I I'm not see that's the thing too is like I'm not and I'm not lumping you with these people. You it's not your fault. You got born when you did. Well, I, yeah, you're that's a victim true. of being born. That's true. When you were born, well, you can blame the people that that gravitated to this stuff. And the thing is, like, I grew up. I mean. I can't really claim like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, that kind of stuff as my own. Oh, because, I can, big time. Yeah, well, you were like 20, I was 20. 22, 23 when Nevermind came out. I saw the show at, at Roy Wilkins Auditorium. Nirvana? Oh, it was a great nice. show. Nice. I think it was one of his last shows before yeah. he died. I mean, I, I, I love that stuff. I mean, I love a lot of that music, but I can't claim it as my generation's own because I was like 10. Yeah, you're too young. I was, I was too young to have any like angst and rebel. I mean, I was still watching Ninja Turtles or something. Yeah, it just doesn't work that way. So, Sorry. like, the music that came around when I was in high school, I mean, you start with, like, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears. How'd you survive it? There was it? a lot of that. It got worse, though. Like, you remember Limp Biscuit? Of course. Limp Biscuit was huge when I was in high school. And they may be the worst band of all time. And then you had all the the boy band copycats, like, 98 Degrees so and what was, O-Town. So, at and, that like, time, oh, I don't even awful. recall now, because I was in my, my late 20s. What was um, what was good? Well, the there had to be an underground scene of some sort, right? Mm, yes, actually, yes, because like when Napster came around and everything broke. Yep. So like that's when the White Stripes came around. Oh, I saw their show the too. Strokes. Yeah, the White Stripes are great. White Stripes are fantastic. Yeah, two, I mean, two people who made more sound than most four yes, people bands. Yes. Yes, I mean, so you had a lot of that yeah, stuff. That was great, I did like you that. know the hives, the vines. I mean, kind of all those, the That's garage rock scene. Yeah, I like probably that. when I was like nineteen, twenty, that kind of came around. But, but your mainstream stuff. Was oh awful. gosh, it, although it was terrible. the eighties had a lot of bad mainstream yes. stuff too. So it's not like I can sit here and say that I was my my mainstream bands yeah. were some questionable bands. You sort of, I sort Let's of wonder about way. this sometimes. It feels like music in the middle of decades. Yep creatively seems to be better than towards the end of decades and this is kind of an anecdotal thing i but don't it can be very good at the beginning of decades too yes yeah because nirvana of, was late 80s right 
and when, then took off like early the, '90s. The scene kind of shifts at the, be- at the yeah, beginning be right. of a decade because, like, the hairband thing was the end of the '80s. Disco was the end of the '70s. Oh, disco. And the, the late '90s was like the boy band thing. I don't, I don't really even know nope. what happened at the end of the 2000s, but it doesn't really matter at this point. The the enduring thing, probably from my generation, my adolescence, is hip hop. I mean, like, as you look back on it, the music that has endured from the 90s, probably more so than grunge, is hip-hop. I mean, that was... And I'm probably... I, I was... So I was 13 in 1996. So, like, that would have been the height of, like, Notorious B.I.G. Jay-Z came around with Reasonable yeah. Doubt around that time. Yeah. Tupac, Dr. Dre. I mean, Tupac was... I can't remember. I think Tupac might have died in 96. I was going to say, Tupac got killed right around that time. Yeah, Snoop Dogg. I mean, all of that kind of stuff all right. was sort of... And then Jay-Z obviously kind of went on from there. Mm-hmm. That probably is the thing that my that generation card? can say. Okay, Your this wasn't so bad. Like artistically, this was pretty good. That certainly more than freaking Limp Biscuit. My gosh, I don't, they were so. I bad. wouldn't even know a Limp Biscuit song if I heard one now. You don't remember Nookie or uh, uh, I mean, break I, stuff. I'm sure I heard it all, but I didn't pay a bit of attention to it. We should. I stop. know the name Limp Biscuit, but yeah. I don't. I couldn't. I couldn't hum you a. Bar from one of their songs. We should stop this podcast. We're talking all about Limp Bizkit, and we've probably scared off everybody that remembers how terrible they were. So we should wrap it that's up. What makes a podcast great? They, yeah. pro- they probably got done with the Bridgewater conversation and shut well, her off. Well, that's why we gave well, you we that stuff up top. That. But if you if you're still around listening, and uh, you stuck with us through our conversation about Limp Bizkit, we certainly appreciate your loyalty. We so will be back the next time we talk. Yes, we'll either be in a full fledged panic about the quarterback situation, yes, sir, or it'll just be back to normal. Back to normal. Nothing to see here. Move along. Yeah, and we will talk more. We'll delve into the uh, all right the back catalog of the Backstreet Boys next time. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.